Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello guys and welcome back to A Changing Attitude, the show where we take a a rose-coloured glasses look at the Attitude Era and and pick it apart bit by bit. Uh, But I'm not on this journey alone, I've dragged these two kicking and screaming with me. Firstly, uh, Tanner. Tanner, how are you, sir? I'm good. Who who are you? I just want to make sure I, I know who you are. You don't need... Everybody knows who I am. I am Mags. Oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, Mags, I am doing well. Thank you for asking. It's been an interesting morning so far. I went to go uh, pick up some donuts this morning, and uh, a woman was walking across the parking lot and just glared at me. And so I rolled down my window, and I said, Ma'am, can I help you? Which is a polite Texan for, the fuck are you looking at? (laughs) And uh, she just pointed at her car, which was conveniently parked next to mine. So I was like, just go, go get in your car. Just fucking go. I, so, I got a pay-per-view to watch here. This is, you know, this is important. This is an important morning. So she was pointing, glaring at you because of her car. Was, Apparently. Was you blocking her in? No. She had plenty of space to get in. So she was a Karen. Yes. Okay. She so, didn't even say anything. She just pointed. And I was like. Lazy Karen. Lazy carriers can't even have get the decency now to shout at you. Just right. point. Yeah. Um, and also coming on this journey with us um, now, I don't know if I, we can we can now still refer to her as or in the draw. Is it Queen? Is it no. I mean, interview Queen? Um, friend of the stars. Yeah. <laughs> still friend of the show. Or uh, we we've, we've been lucky to pull her away from her very very busy schedule. Uh, Ori, how are you t- today? And how's your week been? 
Uh, week has been very interesting. It has run the gamut of emotions up, down, forward, backward. Um, but ultimately, it's been a really good week, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I cannot complain. Some amazing things happened this week, and yes. uh, I'm excited about it. Yes, so uh, the people listening to this episode will have actually have heard uh, what we're at, what we're referring to um, because it, it yes. would have dropped a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, tell us uh, who you've had the the honor of speaking with this week. I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with the one and only Kevin Kelly commentator during this era that we're looking back at and current English commentator for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Right in the middle of G1, bless his heart, in a Japanese hotel room with terrible Wi-Fi. But um, yeah, if you've heard that episode, you you know how it went. And hopefully we get to have a few more chats with Kevin in the future. Yeah, uh, I had the the pleasure of editing it, and it was it was a cool chat. I'm really, really impressed, and um, it really pushes the 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 brand of a changing attitude. So, yeah, congratulations! Thank you very much. Yes, congrats, Ori. That was amazing. It was first ever interview as well, first ever professional interview. Yeah, you it was. And I have to give you guys props because you guys know how nervous I was. <laughs> you guys know, like I was trying to come up with questions and you know I added you guys to a Google Google document and I'm like look over what I've got and you guys helped me out with some amazing questions so I can't take all of the credit for myself just because I conducted the interview you guys put in some amazing questions that thankfully with the limited time he had before hopping a bus to the next G1 location you know I was able to get in there so Thank you guys for for ha- always having my back and supporting me and helping me out with that. I could not, I would not be who I am without you guys, and I know that. And remember that when you're famous and we're trying to uh, get you on the show and you ghost us. I would never, <laughs> never. Mag is struggling for downloads this week again. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Quick, somebody ring Ori. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So this week we're back in pay-per-view territory, um, watching In Your House 11, uh, which is the the buried alive. Um, this was from uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, the arena was the Market Square Arena. Nearly 10,000 uh, screaming fans uh, packed into it. And um, yeah, we we start with a, an opening package that that really focuses on um, the Undertaker Mankind match, the 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 event that the, the match that this event was essentially built around. And then we uh, we get a little bit of pyro, and then the announcement and announced team of Vince, of Jerry Lawler, and uh, Jim Ross. Uh, we've still got a little bit of salty Jim Ross knocking about here, and it's a. Uh, it's, it really comes to a head in this show because uh, he's having lots and lots of problems with his with his microphone, yeah. um, and uh, we're not able to hear everything that he says. And it's very um, we get lots of through the, the the show, and we actually get to a point where Jim essentially storms off. Um, but we uh, we also get a little tidbit of information about uh, a change to the card. Uh, Farouk will no longer be in the Intercontinental title match because he was attacked by uh, Ahmed Johnson. Mm. Uh, and then we also find out that Savio Vega won't be facing Stone Cold. 
uh, and that Stone Cold was actually uh, now set to face Triple H. And uh, so WWE back in nineteen ninety six really pulling those uh those uh cards up to to change uh tropes. Uh but the the Stone Cold match opens. Uh we get a little bit of um uh, a promo from him, uh where we, we see him coming out with more of those classic Stone Cold uh um uh catchphrases the you can you can kiss my ass um and uh, that's the bottom line all those all those kind of stuff and then we uh pretty much lead into the first match uh stone cold versus triple h um again uh kind of like the 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 previous raw a lot of uh the in-ring stuff is is overshadowed because of what's happening on commentary uh luckily it doesn't go all the way through the show like it did uh uh on raw um well, yeah, Tanner, what did uh, what did you think of this match? Well, yeah, this was actually, despite the, the commentary problems, this was actually really, really fun. I, I actually thought that this was maybe joint first for best match on the card. Mm, interesting. Um, th- this is also, and, and maybe, maybe I'm not fully in the loop, but this is the first time that I can recall so far in the run of episodes that we've covered that uh, we get the glass shattered theme song yes. from stone cold oh okay well here we go this is the a turning point for him uh, this match goes about 15 minutes 30 seconds it's, it's solid time um and of course these two go on to be all-time greats later in their career uh yeah i, I thought this was a really solid match despite all of the uh distractions yeah, and uh, uh, Jim was very bitchy about uh, uh, Vince uh, and about the state of Connecticut. Um, yeah, his audio. Yeah, yeah his, his audio was absolutely grand in him. Um, Aura, uh, how did you feel about uh, Austin and uh, and Triple H opening the card? It was okay. Uh, and And I honestly felt that way about a lot of this pay-per-view. I don't know if it's just a headspace that I'm in or, or what, but I I have a feeling I'm going to be the Debbie Downer for this pay-per-view because it's, it's not that any one thing was particularly bad necessarily. I I just found that I had a lot of trouble getting into it for some reason. And I'm not sure why that is. I thought the match in and of itself was good. We saw more shenanigans from Mr. Perfect. We even saw Mr. Perfect and Stone Cold Steve Austin going back and forth. Um, But it it just, I don't know. This didn't feel like a pay-per-view level match to me. It was a good match. It would have been great for a Raw or, you know, in the days that we're in now, a SmackDown but it just didn't feel like a pay-per-view level match. And I felt that way about a lot of the matches on the card. You know, they they just weren't. And I don't know if it's the fact that there's nothing really on the line. I mean, really and truly, we only got two title matches on the card altogether. And I get it. We're not going to have one for Shawn Michaels because he's got, you know, we've got the number one contenders match coming up later. And the whole point of the pay-per-view was the buried alive aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. But I mean, I guess since, you know, we're having the number one contenders match, we're having the buried alive match that really only leaves us those two titles to, to be put up, but it just, I don't know. Something about it through most of the card didn't feel 
completely like a pay-per-view. It, it felt like something we could have seen on a Monday night. Maybe a better version of what we've seen on past Monday nights, but still not quite full-blown, this is a big deal, this is big pay-per-view level stuff. And, and, and like I said, I can't pinpoint to one thing that they could have done to change it, to make it better. It just, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, I can understand your point. I mean, we are uh, in a period now of wrestling where we're essentially spoiled with some of the best technical wrestling that we've ever seen. Uh, but taking this as a um, as a, a part of the time frame that it was in, and then certainly comparing it to some of the woeful uh, roars that we've we've had to trudge through, um, mm. I thought that this was actually quite refreshing. Uh, I thought the the fact that we're seeing fifteen minute matches, uh, the fact that there's well, I think there's only what five six fights on the whole card, so each uh, each match had plenty of time to breathe. Um, this actually has for me made up for a lot of the terrible roars that, that we've got through. We still got the the shenanigans with Mr. Perfect and uh and, and Triple H. We saw uh, like I said Austin um squaring off with with um Perfect throwing the drink in his face uh and we saw the the stunner for the finish. Um I thought that this was a I think I'm, I'm leaning towards more uh Tanner's view that this was a, a really good kickoff to to uh what is essentially a C level show, a C level purview. So um mm. you do make great points about it not having a lot of stakes, but this is essentially to build towards SummerSlam to get a, a, a title content of a show on and to kind of put the uh, mankind and, and um uh, Undertaker story to bed. The rest mm. is essentially filler. Um, and, but and it was decent back, filler. And I'll back Ori on this one too because you know this um, this does not have all of the the drama, the sophistication of a SummerSlam, or indeed this, like you just pointed out, this is building towards a Survivor Series. So I mean, you're going to be getting, you know, not like excellent like barn burner style. Um, matchups right like this is not like a full-on card uh that would get me buying a pay-per-view uh, per se but as somebody who's watching this 25 years after the fact it's like yeah this is a good opening match this is a decent card um but like yeah i mean this does not have the uh, pomp and circumstance of a survivor series uh, that's what we're building too though so so mm -hmm. You know, with them kicking off with Austin and, and Helmsley here, I, I thought it was really, really good. I mean, Austin even got like some some nice cheers, some pops. They they definitely didn't like Helmsley. Uh, the, the the crowd seemingly didn't weren't really backing him too much. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was nice. This was a nice way to open the card. Yeah, no, I remember uh, reading uh, an interview uh, with uh, Austin and Hunter uh, a, a little while ago where they both weren't really aware who was meant to be the heel going into this because Austin was uh, still riding that uh, that heel character but slowly getting those kind of anti-heel uh, cheers and and Triple H was still essentially finding himself going in this uh into this feud with uh with uh, Perfect who was doing heelish things but was still getting uh getting face pops so mm -hmm. they both both guys said that they went into this match not really knowing who was the good end, who was the bad end. But I, I thought it worked well. Uh, interesting that these two would end up being two of the biggest stars that the business has ever, ever seen. And we get to see him uh, making their 
pay-per-view match debut at Buried Alive. Yeah. Anyway, after that, we get a video package. Uh, thanks for leaving me all there on on uh, on my own there with that. But uh, but you wrapped it up so well. Like, what else could we say? You know, this is you know you said it. It's two guys that are going to become two of the biggest stars mm-hmm. of the Attitude Era, and this is just one of the first of matchups that we're going to see between the two. And so, and and like I said, it, it's not that the match was bad. You know, I thought the match was fairly decent. There was a lot of circling around each other in the beginning and avoiding each other that I just didn't really get into. But once the match really got going, it was really decent. And I think I think there's also the fact for me that what I've seen later on in comparison to what I'm seeing now is so very different. I mean, not only with. Triple H still in the full Hunter Hearst Helmsley American blue but blue blood type character. That's a lot of tongue twisting going on right there. Um, but Stone Cold still really in the, for lack of better phrasing, infancy of the Stone Cold character as we knew it. You know, it's it's very different. And I think, you know, you you try really hard, or at least I try really hard to go in with very little expectations because I know what they will become, but it's really hard when you see what they're capable of um, and then have to go backwards and see how they got there. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, well, this isn't the type of match that I expected, but at the same time, it's like, you have to see where they were to appreciate what they became and where Mm -hmm. they were able to go. And so it's, it was just a little, a little difficult. I know we've got better coming from them, but it, like I said, once the match really got going, even with the shenanigans with Mr. Perfect, I thought it was a really good match, even though it's kind of heel versus heel with another heel interference. And we're not really sure who's the good guy involved in all this. Um, Yeah, it, it was, it was decent. So Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. So after that match, we get a, a video package kind of uh, rounding up the, the story of the Smoking Guns and how they lost the titles, um, how Billy became uh, infatuated with Sonny mm. um, and how um, that has really, uh, the loss of Sonny and the titles has really affected him and, and he's focused more on winning back the affections of Sonny than actually winning the titles back. And then we get a, a live interview with uh, Doc Hendricks. Uh, not the not be the last time we see uh, Doc on the card. Uh, but he interviews the, the Smoking Guns and Billy is very kind of uh, self-centred uh, with his answer, saying that he will win the titles back and he will uh, get Sonny back by his side and, and Bart is, uh, is all for the team and he's saying, no, it's a we thing, not a me thing. Mm. Um, so then we, we get to the match. Uh, JR still having uh, uh, technical difficulties and he uh, he actually slates Sonny uh, whilst his, uh, his uh, mat was cutting out a little bit and saying that uh, Sonny is overrated as a manager. Um, but yeah, we get a, a tag team title match, Owen and Brett, uh, British Bulldog, defending against uh, the Smoking Guns. Uh, or... Did you feel that this was a better match? I do feel like it was better in some ways. Um, I am enjoying the butting of the heads between Bart and Billy. Um, I think the match turned out pretty much about the way that I expected it to. Um, You know, we got a shot of Sonny watching backstage And then before the end of it, you couldn't really tell who she was, you know, rooting for, you know, it it, it was a better match. It was definitely a better match. There was a lot more energy to the match, I felt. I feel like Tanner is about to completely disagree with me just based off the look on his face. (laughs) No? Okay. So, like, again, I felt like, so I don't feel like it was 100% fully a pay-per-view level match, but it was definitely better than a raw match, if that makes sense. Okay. It, it, I could see this as a raw 
main event, you know, because some of the raw main events that we've gotten have been the best parts of the whole raw card. Um, but it was a, it was a really good match. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the the tangling between the two, um, or between the two teams, and some of the attempted shenanigans by both sides of the team. I'm seeing shenanigans a lot today. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I, I like the match overall. I, I didn't dislike it whatsoever. Uh, Tana, do you agree? And also, uh, what did you think of Owen Hart's snazzy new hairstyle? Yeah, Owen Hart got a haircut. That's pretty cool. Uh, it's didn't pretty have, nice. It didn't have UV gel in it, though. No, it does it's not. Very, I would swear. He's let himself down. <laughs> um, I actually agree with a lot of what Ori said. Um, I I actually thought that the first two matches on the card, this one and the Austin uh, Helmsley match, were um, actually the best matches. Um, Interesting. Yeah, the, the momentum was really high at the beginning here. And I think that has a lot to do with, um, we've got two matches here from talents coming from the, uh, quote unquote, new generation that they've been, that Helmsley in particular has been talking about in recent weeks uh, of, of talent coming through. Uh, obviously Owen and Bulldog are an amazing team. And, uh, and, and this, the, like the little craft work that they do throughout the match is awesome. Uh, Billy is a total professional, and, and Bart was really, really good here too. You know, I, I really don't have any complaints with anybody here in this matchup. Um, you know, there was a there was the fun little distraction spots where, where Bulldog is on the 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 bottom rope and he's yelling at I think I think he was yelling at Billy. I want to say he was yelling at Billy, and he's like doing the double bicep and like pointing and laughing at Billy, and Billy's freaking out about it and. You know, it's it's it, you know, it's just really nice little intricate things. Owen looked great. Bulldog looked pretty solid. Like I said, I, this is just a really well worked uh, tag team match for for this era as far as tag team wrestling goes. Um, I would agree with Ori in the respect that this is better than most Raw matches that we've seen. I could see this being a Raw main event, but I I I feel as though this match here. And 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 we'll see this later on down the line. But this match here does seem bigger in terms of story and in terms of uh, pageantry. Obviously, this is a tag team titles match. The, you know, I, I feel like it's it's worthy of being on this card for sure. Um, yeah, I, I just I just felt it. It was a good match. It was really solid. Yeah, I I have no complaints with 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 either of your uh, analyses of this match. It was a uh, uh, very entertaining uh, four guys who uh, who really know how to work uh, a tag team match. Uh, obviously, the the each team have their their strong points. Obviously, with with Billy uh, on one side and and Owen on the other side. Both are superb at selling. Both are superb at, uh, at offense. And then you've got the the powerhouses of uh, of Bar and, and and Bulldog. It was a, a well worked uh, match. Nothing offensive. Nothing uh, really kind of stands out as. Um, 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 uh, super ex, super extraordinary, I suppose, but it was a very solid uh, tag team match, and, and 
Yeah, I, I, I really like the way Ori described it as a, a it could have easily have uh, main evented a role. So yeah, that's absolutely a great analysis by by both of you. Uh, so after this, we get a, a cut to uh, Triple H complaining on the the WWE superstar line. Just uh, real quick, Mags though, there's there's an important little facet here at the end of the match regarding the tag teams. You know, did you did you catch Sunny backstage? She was, she she was very interesting in the match. Yes, in, she in, was in the in the bulldog and, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 Owen. Obviously, they have management already. Uh, mm-hmm. But hmm, this this seems quite interesting. And this uh, could easily be their third management uh, of of recent weeks after yeah. Clarence Mason. Uh, Swindled Owen and the Bulldog from from Jim Cornet. This is very true. And then we we also see a, f- a further disintegration here between uh, the smoking guns. Billy kind of walking out uh, on his own, and 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 Bart trailing behind, kind of like what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Bulldog basically, you know, <laughs> they uh, they tricked <laughs> they tricked the smoking guns in a very interesting way uh, for the finish. So yeah, I thought. Uh, Thought the little little storyline, the little antagonism there at the end was was nice. It, it feels that um, we may be in into the death throes of uh, the smoking guns. Yep, absolutely. So um, as I said, we went. Uh, we then cut to uh, to Triple H on the the, the superstar line, and then we uh, are back to the ring with uh, Jim Ross now uh, in the ring cutting a promo. Um, Say uh, uh, essentially complain about his uh, microphone problems. Uh, says he's not going to mention the fact that Vince fired him uh, twice and and ruined his laugh. <laughs> but but proceeded to mention that <laughs> that live anyway. He he then doubles down on uh, what we heard on Raw about him uh, definitely being uh, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and he also said that uh, that Bret Hart was uh, was going to be there, and he personally uh is responsible for Bret Hart returning to to the the WWF um he also said that Bret was going to come back with a shovel because he's going to bury some people um which is uh yeah it was interesting uh Jim Ross then uh essentially um downs tools says he's gone for the night and he'll see us all on Raw but that is not the last we see of a good old bag old Jim Ross. Um, so then we uh, we get uh, a little bit of highlights of uh, some um, Farouk and Ahmed uh, having promos about uh, the future match, uh, and then uh, we we hear from from Ahmed essentially saying that uh, whenever he sees uh, Farouk, it's on site. Uh, he knows how how the story goes, uh, and then we see a, a scene where Armor Johnson has got a essentially a piece of wood, um, and he's yeah. uh, he's, <laughs> he's taking the blame for 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 Rook being out of action. Yeah, but apparently uh, Ahmed did not instigate this, no, according just, to what we're told. He, he defended himself with uh, just a handy piece of two before yeah. that was just lying around from. Ha- the the old hacksaw days. I was about to say maybe hacksaw was laying around, and <laughs> although it looked a lot smaller than hacksaw's usual two by four, yeah, so maybe so, so he proto, had little two by fours. Proto the union, uh, Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. a, a two by four. 
we we will probably get to that in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a long project. <laughs> it is a yeah. very long project. Um, so then we get Mr. Perfect coming down to uh, to commentary because he's uh, he's here for the uh, Intercontinental Title match. And as we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, Farouk not being in this match now, so he's been switched with uh, with uh, Goldust. So we're seeing Goldust take on uh, Wildman Mark Miro um, for the for the title. Uh, we get a little bit of a. Uh, an interview with uh, with Mark Miro um, just before he comes out, saying that uh, it's unfortunate what happened to Farouk, but essentially dems the brakes and he's uh, he's going to uh, be focused on beating Goldust. Um, so uh, Tanner, mm. Intercontinental Champion Mark Miro versus Goldust. What are your thoughts on this fact? This is where the show started to pump the brakes a little bit for me. I think. Um... The the I I think that uh, Goldust looked very motivated here. He was he was mm-hmm. very aggressive in this match, a lot more so than what we've seen in the past. Um, Mark Marrow um, plays he plays a, a decent enough baby face in peril. You know he, he's getting beaten up pretty bad here in this match, though he does get to mount a little bit of offense throughout it. Um, there is an interesting spot midway through the match where I think. And and again, I, I couldn't hear very clearly the crowd, but it seemed like there was a, a lot of crowd disturbance. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. some chance being pointed in the gold dust's direction, and uh, he gets on the microphone in the middle of the match and tells everybody <laughs> to shut the hell up uh, before he comes out there and sticks his tongue down everybody. Um, yes. Sir. So I mean, you can you could probably. Um, understand maybe what types of chance were maybe being directed at him. I uh, mean, a, a 2021 audience would have gobbled that up, but the 1996 audience, that was nuclear heat straight away. Yeah, it, it really was. And, I mean, to be fair, I think I think Goldust was probably right in pointing out, <laughs> you know, the, the mm-hmm. crowd's um, uh, bigotry. <laughs> We'll I mean, call it that. There, there was a guy front and center of the crowd in a in a, a red shirt and a and a baseball cap, yes. and he was he was an annoying all the way through the show. Yeah. It was it was, he was him and very a of, very homophobic. Yeah, it was him and a pair of twin brothers that mm-hmm. were, uh, you know, like front and center, like deadpan in the middle of the screen, and yeah, they they were pretty raucous the entire night. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, interesting matchup here, uh, but uh, this this definitely felt w- like where the the break started to get pumped a little mm-hmm. bit. Or do you agree with Tanner, or is he talking out of his backside? No, I completely agree. <laughs> completely agree. I, I mean, the, the match was okay. It was decent. I liked the ending. I didn't mind um, Mr. Perfect on commentary. Um, it just was, it was what it was. I, I don't know. Like I said, I had a hard time getting into this pay-per-view overall. I was trying, but it, it just wasn't, it wasn't there for me. I mean, and I found myself more interested in things that happened later on, but the majority of the matches I really felt kind of checked out, you know, but I mean, it was a decent enough match. At some point, we had Triple H come out. 
it was fine. It was fine. Yeah, I think for for me, um, this is a, a stark contrast to the opener. Um, mm. Both matches uh, have kind of been thrown together last minute, um, but with uh, with Stone Cold and and Triple H, they seem to have. Uh, a really uh, melded well and, and put on a decent match. This felt like it was almost like a paint by numbers match. Um, and the most interesting part was uh, the gold dust uh, uh, shooting on the crowd, essentially. I mean, the in-ring stuff, both guys are great wrestlers. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing uh, that um, is um, is bad to watch when, when these two wrestle, but it was... It just felt that there was no drama in the match. There was uh, there was no real kind of stakes. Ironic that the towel was on on the line, but it it, it didn't feel like a title match. No, um, and and there really wasn't any build other than right before the match when we had the interview with Mark Marrow, and they threw us that giveaway line. Well, you've never beaten Gold Dust, mm-hmm. you know. So what chance do you think you have? And even that just felt like. A throwaway. I mean, for a pay-per-view that you have three to four weeks to build on, you know, and I get it, you know, they hit Farouk, they took him out, but I don't know, man. There's, And it's like you said, like, I, I don't feel like, well, it got changed at the last minute is an excuse because there's a lot of cases where things get changed at the last minute and they make, you know, absolute magic out of things. And... I don't think it's an issue with Dustin Rhodes. I don't think it's an issue with Mark Marrow. I think maybe these two just don't work as well together. And I don't know if the timing was part of that, you know, if maybe they got to the arena the day of and said, hey, there's something going on with Farouk. We're going to have to set up something and you guys are going to have to go. Like, I don't know if it was if it was these two need more time to, to prepare with each other. If they just don't work well together, just something about it. It just didn't, I wasn't as into it. I just wasn't. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I think on a, on another day, perhaps that with a little bit more build, this could have been more interesting, uh, but with, with it being thrown together, only find out, find out about it as the show starts, uh, it, it just felt a little bit flat, and the more interesting part was when people uh, who who weren't involved in the match started to to become involved. When the likes of our Triple H came out, uh, and then we got the the kind of uh, face off with Mister Perfect, Perfect hitting uh, Goldust, uh, and then um, that leading to to the the Samoan drop and the Wild Thing uh, finish. Um, it felt like we used an intercontinental title match to further a storyline that wasn't involved in it. Um, but that will all come to head uh, uh, on Raw when we get there. Uh, but it, again, it's another match that if this was on a Raw, I think we, it would be perfectly serviceable. We would have, we right. probably would uh, feel um, a lot better about this than than we than we actually did. But um, it was a pay per view, and it, it just fell flat a little bit for me. Um, so then after this, we go backstage again, and we've got uh, uh, Jim Ross who hadn't gone home like he, he claimed he he was. He was on a America Online, and we had a Razor. It's yeah. never, it's mm-hmm. never gonna feel right saying Razor, mm-hmm. Ramon, and Diesel. But essentially, we had a 
Bogner and Kane. Yeah, um, fake, fake Razor and fake Diesel. And and it seemed like they were still having technical difficulties because there was an IT guy. He's like doing stuff on his screen and JR was just sitting there shaking his head. And then like... Fake was razor. that what it was? Because there was a guy on one side of him and a girl on the other mm-hmm. side. And they had they both had a computer. And it's like either he's looking between the two to try and figure out what's going on or keep up with the chat. It was like the two of them were trying to transcribe chat to him like one of them is telling him what's going on the other one's typing his response i I don't know yeah like it was it was crazy whatever the case he he was just like shaking his head and seemed all grumpy about stuff you know um i mean jim ross grumpy i will not have i will not have a bad word said against good old jr who'd have guessed yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, then, the, the, the the one thing that really stood out about this, though, was, uh, and I mentioned it on last week's episode, um, how Diesel used to be a good four inches taller than Razor. And now <laughs> Razor's really shot up. I mean, he's he's an inch or so taller now than Diesel, and I don't know how that's happened. Extra, Razor got a hold of some growth hormones. Extra puberty, <laughs> you know, he, got, he was able to... That, that late in life story. puberty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that forty-year-old puberty that we. We're He's taken some uh, too many shots to the head, and it's activated his pituitary gland. I, I was more <laughs> amazed by the fact that uh, you know the the guy to the uh, I guess it would be Jr.'s right. Uh, he reacted after um, Bogner threw an imaginary toothpick <laughs> at the screen. <laughs> oh God! How did I miss that? Oh, he, did the, he did the toothpick bit, but he wasn't. He didn't have a toothpick. Have a toothpick? Oh, jeez! Wow! Well, I like, mean, that, that's committing to the gimmick yeah. on both fronts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, after after we see Jim Ross and. Razor and Diesel, uh, we get a, another video package um, that uh, goes into the, the Psycho Sid and Vader uh, bout. Uh, both guys were essentially being called masters of the, the powerbomb. Uh, we see Vader accusing Sid of stealing the powerbomb. Uh, Vader we... or Jim Cornette? Well, I mean... <laughs> Jim is certainly Vader's mouthpiece. I mean, you, all you seem to get really from Vader now is grunts and and uh, yeah and Springs. barks. Yeah, yeah. But we do actually get Shawn Michaels, who's uh, who's the the kind of third wheel in this match, uh, and he's uh, he's asked about uh, whose uh, power bomb uh, is is the best, and he says, "Well, I've taken both power bombs, and I think they're both." as equally as painful so very much sitting on the fence there. what a politically motivated answer <laughs> yeah i mean you would think he would side with his buddy uh sid but no he, uh he's very uh partisan with his answer um so we then go to the match um Sid comes out, uh, gets a, a huge pop. I mean, I say week in, week out, but the the fans adore Psycho Sid. It's, it's, it's really interesting to see. And then we get uh, Vera um, and Cornette, who, uh, who are hated in equal measure. Uh, very kind of a, um, the, the opposite side of the coin to, to Sid, I suppose. But then uh, Sean Mackles is, uh, is uh, announced very much kind of the Hogan must pause of, of this era, I suppose. Sean Michaels uh, uh, coming out had the uh, in-street clause and he came to do a little bit of commentary, had a bit of back and forth about uh, his hair, 
uh, for for some reason because because Owen got a haircut. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but yeah, um, we're then going to Sarko Sid versus Vader. This uh, match has got a uh, has got some uh, some um, uh, stakes to it because the win of this ends up uh, challenging uh, Shaw Mackles at Survivor Series, a, a, a pay per view that we are. Uh, we may possibly be watching uh, live as a watch along on the Radio Techers channel, so I'll definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, but yeah, uh, Tanner, what did you think of uh, the Masters of the Powerbomb match? <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, this was fine. It was okay. Um <laughs> obviously the uh the beginning the opening part where sean comes out to do the commentary and then he uh, he confronts jim Cornette, um but he buddies up with psycho sid and then uses Cornette's uh handkerchief to to blow his nose and he throws the handkerchief out of the ring and kicks Cornette in the ass uh, <laughs> that was all fairly entertaining i guess um <laughs> this was I mean, this was all built around, like, who has the best powerbomb, right? And <laughs> we got zero powerbombs. <laughs> I mean, they both attempted a powerbomb. Not a one, though. <laughs> they both attempted it. Um, and then they settled for, uh, <laughs> let's just try and beat each other up. <laughs> so um, I-, I think the end result is right. You know, uh, Sid hits the choke slam, which... A very... Weak chokes. I mean, I, I get that Vader is a, a huge guy, but Sid looks like his muscles have their own muscles. So you would think he would be able to get a, a better choke slam than that. But well, yeah. I mean, it does take two to tango, though. You gotta like that Vader, is also very true. <laughs> Vader's got to get off the ground, and Vader looked like Hogan from Judgment Day. 2002. <laughs> um, he barely got up, and and then Psycho Sid just. <laughs> snugly <laughs> safely like a like putting a child to bed puts him down onto the mat and then pins him uh one two three um yeah this was fine um <laughs> jim Cornette hitting sid with a with a tennis racket as as much as as psycho sid's been hyped up as beyond human um uh, i would have thought that that tennis racket would have done less damage to him than uh, than what it did. I don't know, man. There's just so many things about this match that just, like, tickled me a bit, I guess. I mean, th- this went long for a, a Sid match, to to be fair. I think we're, we're looking about eight minutes, and he certainly had the... Uh, the gold, um, the Goldberg yeah. style matches, uh, usually in and out with uh, within about three minutes, and we actually see Sid go to uh, the, the top for a, a move... Uh, this one went way better than his attempt in WCW, where uh, uh, his leg says, "Nope, not today, Satan." Um, but yeah, it was um, it was a hoss match. It's 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 not anything uh, particularly groundbreaking. These were just two, uh, as Big E says, uh, big uh, meaty men slapping meat. Um, the right winner uh, for for me at least, uh, and we get a little bit of um, uh, a standoff between uh, between Sid and, and Michaels, all very friendly at the beginning, and then Sid essentially tells Michaels, "Yeah, I'm I'm gonna whip the living piss out of you, you politicking bastard." Um, but Ori, um, what are your views on uh, Vader 
versus Sack or Sid. Yeah, I'm I'm of the same mind. It it was okay, you know, for a, a matchup of the Masters of the Power Bomb to not get an actual power bomb. You know, it was kind of eh. Um, I, I kind of did like the part where I, I mean, and this is going to be very on brand for me, but uh, when Jim Cornette was attempting to get into the ring and Sid caught him and pulled the middle rope up to uh, uh, juggle the the jewels, so to speak, and uh, you know, I think the the right guy won. I think it ended exactly how it should. I think one of the most interesting parts was the end when they're interviewing Sid and saying, you know, weren't you the bodyguard of, of Shawn Michaels? Weren't you, you know, his friend? And he's like, yeah, I am all these. So are you going to be able to go in there and, you know, match up with Shawn Michaels and bless Sid's heart. He was trying, he was, but he was stumbling over his words. He, he almost, said something like I'm the master of my fate or something like that and tripped over those words. And it, it bothered me. Cause I'm like, no, you're using the right word. You've got this. Come on, buddy. Come on. But like, I'm more rooting for Sid to get the promo out correctly. Like, come on, buddy, you got this. And I think, you know, I think the promo did what it needed to do saying, yeah, we're friends. But when it comes to the WWF heavyweight championship, I'm going to do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And so, but it was just, Bless his heart. He was trying so hard to get the right words out, and he was second-guessing himself, and I just felt bad for him. You You're know? giving Psycho Sid way too much credit. I'm trying, <laughs> man. Like, uh, for, for all of his capabilities in the ring, Psycho Sid is like... He's he's he might be the master of the universe, but he's not the master of the microphone. <laughs> no, he's not. But bless his heart, he was trying to was on trying, it. And I was bless. I was rooting for him to to get it out. Like, come on, buddy, you got this, you got this. And it just he didn't have that. No, he saved it in the end. He saved it in the end. But you know, it's just not it. It's not as impactful as it would have been. Were he able to get it out correctly the first time? And trust me, when the nerves and the adrenaline are going, I easily trip over my words, especially if you've already heard that Kevin Kelly interview. There were a couple of times where I did the same thing, you know, in my own excitement. So it, it happens. It's one of those things. But, I mean, it was a decent match overall. The The promo at the end was good. Um it's about what we expect from two big guys. You're not going to see a lot of high-flying maneuvers, especially not in the age that we're watching. There's a lot of big men nowadays who are very agile uh, and light on their feet and able to pull off some of those moves. But that's not what you would expect to see mid to end of 96 from really big guys. Mm-hmm. So it was fine. Yeah, it's very... Um very much a callback to his uh, his interview. And I think that was also with Jim Ross, uh, where he wanted a redo. And Jim Ross is like, no, mate, we're live, pal. Uh, so he had to k- kind of stumble through his words. Um, but uh, in that interview as well, you, you, you see uh, Doc Hendricks getting really frustrated with uh, 
with Jim Ross, uh, and he has one of the quips of the of the show for me when he says, "Oh, that mag magically works now, huh?" Uh, it's really, really witty. Um, but after that, we get a, a video package for for the main event, uh, building up uh, the the what we've seen over the last few weeks between Undertaker uh, and Mankind. We see uh, the the turn from Paul Bearer. Uh, and uh, the the shenanigans uh, to use uh, an Ori uh, saying uh, that has led to the match where we're where we're at now. And uh, lo and behold, it is not in the graveyard where both guys have been uh, uh, creating graves for for one another. It is in in the arena, the Market Square arena, and it's essentially a huge. A uh, mound of earth with a, a little bit of grass and a and a, and a, a gravestone, um, but we uh, we get mankind coming out first, uh, and uh, him and Paul Vera kind of uh, uh, eyeballing the the grave sat, I suppose. Um, then we get uh, Undertaker coming out; he gets a, a huge pop. Um, yeah, a very brooding Undertaker. Um, Ori, let's uh, let's go to you. Uh, this was the longest match on the card by a um, by a, a, a little while. Um, what did you think of, of this match? The very first uh, unsanctioned buried alive match. <sighs> really? Did you not enjoy it? Okay, let me quantify that groan. Okay. <laughs> I liked the theatrics. When you have to quantify a groan. I know. I liked the theatrics at the end of the match. I liked the story that was told at the end of the match. I did not care for the, okay, we're in the ring. Okay, now we're going to the grave, but now we're going right back to the ring. Okay, now we're going to the grave, but we're going right back to the ring. Then we're going to go, you know, out into the, I, I actually didn't mind the bit where they went out into the crowd and then came back in. That didn't bother me. But the back and forth, while, I get it to some extent. It makes sense. I understand why we're going to tease it a little bit. You know, then we both don't want to get in there. The, f- I think it's the first one, the first trip to the grave graveside that they made that bothers me because it was so very early into the match. There's no way that they would end that match that quick. And I think that tease like it's fine to tease it and then work their way back. But that one was just way too early. And it was almost like they fought their way up there and then they both walked back. Like, no, we're not, we're not doing that this early. I, that one just bothered me for some reason. And I don't know what it is. Um, because I think at the second time after they did that, they actually fought their way back from the graveside to the ring to where it made more sense, you know, Um, And then we had King right in the early uh, spots. They get a shot of this very nice looking young lady with very short hair. And King is disparaging towards her and her remarks saying she looks like something of a creature of the night. And I'm like, man, we don't have to do this. Like, I get it. It's, It's cheap heat, but it's even she was a very nice looking young woman. There's there was no reason for that. That bothered me immensely. Um And then the other part that really caught me off weird was Undertaker hits the leg drop onto Mankind with the chair on top of him. And then we cut to a shot of Paul Bearer. And at first his expression is, oh, no. And then it's like, he, 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 he. So it's like, 
who the frack are you rooting for, dude? Like, whose side are you on? I, I, I just... I mean, that's, I, the that's mental gymnastics. The, the mental gymnastics that I had to, to go through to think through that was just... Ugh, it was it's head splitting. And then the end of the match, I was completely okay with. Um, I understood why when we've done these buried alive matches later on, that they've set them up the way they have with like a, a scoop truck. I don't know what those things are called. I don't deal with like a digger dump truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A dump truck or, you know, a, a giant excavator machine with the scoop on go. the end. I don't know anything about, you know, heavy machinery. I good. I do good to operate my own car. Okay. So, um, I, I understand why they did what they did because when, and I'm skipping to the end of the match because that's the only part that I really enjoyed when you're getting uh gold dust who made sense because he's been on the periphery of this in some way, shape, form or fashion the whole time him coming out to help dig made sense, but crush Triple H, JBL. I get it. They did it because they were trying to make Undertaker being buried go faster. Mm-hmm. But under the heels, right? And and you get this comment from um, Paul Bearer at ringside. I'm gonna pay you. Yes. Dig faster. I'll pay. To some extent, that makes sense. Yeah. But the the rest of it, like that, was the only reason to justify why these other three men were out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I did kind of notice something from a production point of view that it when they stopped showing the angles of Undertaker in the grave at one point they re they continue to show the guys digging and then they go back to that overhead shot and the grave is very even and straight. I kind of figured out that trick fairly quickly. Apparently it was like a false bottom and they slid something over the top, which I think was great. It was a great, even though it was easily picked up um, and able to be able to figure out, it was just a great piece of production and theatrics that they were able to fill that up faster to get Undertaker out of there so that he's not actually buried because that can be dangerous. And honestly, that's one of my fears, like is being in a coffin or buried or in something that like, I have this mild bit of claustrophobia and it freaks me out. Like I got stuck in a trunk once in a car, in my own car, just goofing around with some cousins and I freaked out. And so, you know, getting him out of there quickly so that he can do the other piece of business at the end, the theatrics of it, I thought were amazing. You know, that part of it was worth watching to me. Um, I will say when the chair was brought out, I do not miss the headshots. I know they were trying to do it as safely as possible. I appreciated the more lower back body shots, um, but headshots, man, I am, I really wanted to start a CTE chant, you know, because I'm so glad we've moved past that. But I mean, for, you know, the, the match in and of itself was okay. Like I said, there's parts of it that I really didn't like, but the ending of it, I thought was fantastic. I thought the theatrics were done well. I thought the production, the way they angle certain things, even, and I hate to say this because I know this isn't a thing that we want of a crowd, but even the crowd throwing trash at the wrestlers and into the grave, I thought Mm -hmm. for some reason, I, I, you know, was just brilliant. Just, absolutely brilliant and then the hand comes up out of the ground just in front of the 
in front of the tombstone and the crowd goes nuts, you know, after the lightning striking and everything. I thought it was great. That part I have no problem with whatsoever. If for no other reason, then it took a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose you have to build that that uh, suspension. Um, but I do get your point. The, the 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 match was a buried alive match, so why on earth would it start in the ring? Why, when you had the opportunity to bury your opponent, did you then decide to take it back to the ring? And you right. mentioned the headshot, and it's very apropos that we got to watch this headshot uh, now, knowing that uh, we've just uh, essentially come off a couple of weeks ago the uh, the episode of Dark Side of the Ring where Undertaker absolutely levels uh, Chris Canyon with a, a very similar headshot in a very uh, similar position. So uh, that was almost kind of like karma uh, batting Undertaker uh, back there. But yeah, I, I agree with you. The, the beginning of the match was was quite slow and plodding. I did like the part in the crowd where we, we saw the plancher coming uh, back into uh, ringside from Undertaker. That was uh, that was cool to see. Um, but for for me, the the last ten minutes or so was the was the interesting part of this match when we uh, we see the fighting at the grave. We see uh, the the big guy uh, in the mask coming out who uh, who uh, we'll see uh, again popping up in the in the next few weeks on Raw. Um, uh, and you you did such a great job in in a kind of like uh, breaking down that finish with uh, all the the heels coming out to essentially uh, bury uh, the Undertaker. And the whole point was uh, was to get that carry style finish that uh, that um, that cool visual to to end the show on of uh, of Undertaker's hand popping out of the grave. Essentially, he will not be able to to rest in peace. Um, Tana, give us a. Uh, Give us your uh, opinions and your views on this match. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I can add anything that new or or unique uh, that that Ori hadn't already you know covered. Um, but um, I mean, because she she just broke down the match you know really really well. Um, I I will say that, uh, and, and and again, I'm not trying to uh, <laughs> you know keep spinning a broken record here. But uh, I, I, I'm going to lean on something that I said very, very early on in this series. I think that this is, once again, another example that the second half of The Undertaker's career is much, much better than the first half. Um, this match, it's it's fine. Um, you know, this is not anything near the iconic moments that we would get between Undertaker and Mankind in the future. Um, but yeah, um, it, it does seem as though, um, they wanted to do something fun. They wanted to do something very gimmicky. They, you know, and, and I think that it would have worked, but I think that now, um, as an audience, as a wrestling, um, as wrestling has evolved over the last 25 years, we're not seeing too many things like this. We're not seeing too many buried alive matches anymore. We're not seeing uh, casket matches. Uh, they tried doing the horror show at Extreme Rules last year and attempted to pop Rey Mysterio's eye out of his head to the <laughs> to, to the uh, hilarity and, and the laughter of wrestling Twitter, right? Like this is like stuff like this isn't um, we we. we 
what's the right way of saying this? We talk about all the time of like we're looking at the attitude era in rose cut you know, rose tinted glasses and see what sticks and what doesn't. It's it's matches like this, in my opinion, that really don't stick anymore because you know, that that curtain, you know, that, that fourth wall has been broken down. Mm-hmm. And we as Ori pointed out, we know a lot of these kind of tricks that uh oh well Undertaker's obviously not not really dead he's not he's not really buried alive under there there's something that's keeping him from being there you know being buried and and i think that you know obviously the crowd back then probably knew that too you know but i don't know like the imagination of this um we've moved past the cartoon style imagination and like the gimmicky like the super heavy gimmickiness of of stuff like this and some uh, a different kind of suspending your disbelief uh in terms of wrestling and 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 this is just one of those things where i don't think that this really sticks anymore in terms of wrestling i I don't think that we're going to see now with undertaker being retired i don't think we're going to be seeing buried alive matches and casket matches and these kind of things moving forward yeah, and, and it's it's interesting that you you say that this kind of was a an overused trope, I suppose. Uh, when there's there's actually only ever been five buried alive matches in the whole of the WWE, and it, right. it, it it goes to show how uh, quickly this got old. Uh, after you have the the first one or two, uh, it, it it lost that that special specialness, especially when the person being buried um, is back on on TV within a, a matter of weeks. Uh, and Undertaker's actually been in all five of the 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 buried alive matches, and yeah. I, I don't think he's I don't think he's won one. Oh no, he's, he has. He's won one out of five, so his record is not very good at all. The only one he, he won was a, a tag team one with him and Big Show taking on Rock and Sock Connection. Uh, but we don't see this uh, this match again for a couple of years um, until we get to Austin versus uh, Undertaker uh, in uh, the back end of 1998. Um, so before we kind of wrap up and uh, and look towards uh, next week. Um, what are your overall thoughts on 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 the show? Uh, we'll go with you, Ori, first because I, I feel yours may well be the most negative uh, outlook of the three. <laughs> I, I can't disagree There's with not that. Not enough it's... Kevin Kelly on the show. <laughs> hey, that's my friend now. <laughs> um, we did get a little bit of Kevin Kelly, um, but yeah, no, I mean. That's the thing. Like, I can't look at it with the rose-colored glasses and say, oh, it was one of the best pay-per-views of all time. Like, there were too many things that stunk up this card. Um, But overall, I give it a solid 4 out of 10. Like, I I think arguments could be made for 5. There were... Things about this show that were really good. There were matches that were fairly decent, but you know, and then theatrics at the end were, were good, especially for the era that we're looking in. But overall, it it's not worth your nine ninety nine. This this isn't one that I would constantly look back and revisit with 
fond, lovely memories. Like I'm, I'm good. I've watched it once. I can say I've watched it. I'm, I'm ready to move on to something else. Like Bret Hart showing up at Raw in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, that we heard probably 10 to 12 times that night just from JR. So, you, ever been you to know, Fort Wayne, I'm Indiana? ready to, huh? Have you ever been to Fort Wayne, Indiana? No, that's not the exciting part. It's the Bret Hart part. It's not, it's not great. I, I haven't been a lot of places, in fairness. Wow, already ragging on, on Fort Wayne, Indiana. Hey, I, Jesus. so so my, my dad's side of the family comes from, from Indiana, and uh, oh. Fort Wayne is... Uh, <laughs> Not much to write home about. No. Uh, so Bret Hart coming to town is a very much a, a marquee, exciting thing to have happen in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Sure. But yeah, so so yeah, four. We'll we'll give it a four and a half out of five. I'm, it's yeah, I've been there, done that. Let's let's move on. That's where I am. Hmm. Okay, so Tanner, despite your your hatred for all things Fort Wayne, um, how how do you rate this show? Um, honestly, I can't really disagree with 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 Ori's assessment it, in terms of it being probably a four to four and a half out of five. But I, I will say that there is hope, right? There, there, there is a, a four and a half out of five or four and a half out of 10. I'm sorry. Four out of say. Like a nine out of 10. No, no. This is a four and a <laughs> half out of 10. I see we're it's confusing me because now we're using this 10 scale and I'm used to five, whatever. Um, so yes, I, I think this is a very hopeful four to four and a half out of 10. Because it's just, yeah, we we are seeing the beginnings of the the shift, and we've said that for weeks now. But this this does feel like you know one of the corners being turned here towards something different. Uh, Stone Cold, you know, seems to have gotten some of the crowd at this point on his side. We're seeing Helmsley start to be more out in front. Uh, of, of people we're seeing um you know psycho sid uh, you know he's he's got something going on with Shawn michaels now this seems like a real legit threat to michaels championship um bret hart's coming back we've got yeah we, we've just got a, another like crop of talent coming through here and it seems like you know the more that time has gone on the more we are about to round out that edge heading into 1997. That's going to make a big, big difference. Okay, I mean, I can see both of your reasonings why you uh, you scored uh, the the show so low. This uh, this was certainly uh, a C level show. There was not a lot of stakes outside, uh, essentially the 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 last two matches. Uh, but if I'm comparing it with the stuff that we've watched uh, over the last few weeks, I thought this was a, a breath of fresh air. I thought yeah. it was a, a breeze to watch. Uh, the fact that it's uh, less than less than two hours uh, and only having five or six matches on the card, I felt that uh, the the matches had time to uh, to really kind of tell stories. Even the the matches that essentially didn't have a lot of uh, uh, a lot of stakes in uh, or or storyline behind them. Um, I thought that this, uh, Ori said it earlier in the show, and I think it, it really rings true. A lot of these matches were uh, 
raw level main event matches. Uh, so for that, I think I'm going to score it a little bit higher than, than you guys. Uh, I'm I'm happy to, to go uh, around a seven for this show. I was uh, I was entertained by by the the two big matches on on the card, and the rest didn't uh, have anything uh, particularly offensive uh, in them. And um, it it did um, it did get me excited for for Survivor Series. I think um, seeing Sid in that main event uh, as as over as he is is going to be interesting. Uh, we got our, uh, some peaks at some storylines that that could be coming through uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, so for me, I, I thought that uh, this was a good lead into um, Survivor Series. So um, I think I, I enjoyed it more than you two did. It sounds like it. Well, and and I think that uh, you know, with with what you said, it did go by very quickly. I think that there's something to be said for that. I mean, we're living in an era now where pay per views that run three and a half to four hours are the norm, unless we get like that off show where WWE, you know, just names like what six matches on a card, like they did very recently. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and they want to be in and out in yeah. a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. So, like, with this being only two hours, it, it really it really does go by quickly. I would still recommend this show to anybody who who is listening to this episode. Go watch it yourself. You know, mm-hmm. make up your mind and let us know what you think of it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, I, I don't want to completely crap on the show. If, if it's something that you've never seen, it's definitely worth giving a look at if you already have the Peacock app or have access to go watch it somewhere online. Um, so like we said, the first two matches were fairly decent. And if for no other reason, that very last match is historic because it is the first of its kind. And the, the like I said, the theatrics and the production that was done at the very end was very well executed um, to the point that even though I could see through the smoke and mirrors it still made for compelling viewing, you know, even with um, mankind at one point getting back down into the grave as they're digging and trying to shuffle the dirt around, making sure he's down in there and whatnot. It was very well executed. If, if you've never watched it before, take the opportunity if for no other reason than to watch the last match, because while it it may be slow in going, it's a it's a very long match and subsequent post match segment. Um, it is compelling and interesting to watch, you know, production wise and story wise. Um, but like I said, it, it's not something that I would revisit. Like it's the greatest. It, it's not a <laughs> it's not a Kenny and Okada match that I'm going to go watch a million times. You know. <laughs> It's not this amazing bit of storytelling, but it's 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 good. It's good. I'll, I'll give you that. It's good. And I think that's a, a great way to wrap it up. Um, so uh, unless Ori pulls another friend of the show interview out mm-hmm. of the bag, um, next week we'll, we'll be uh, on the Raw, which took place the day after uh, this pay-per-view. Uh, I think we're sticking around in Fort Wayne, Indiana for a few weeks, so let's get used to uh, seeing the, the butthole of, uh, of Indiana as uh, Tanner uh, alluded to. Um, but will we see Bret Hart on the show? Who knows? Um, are we going to see this uh, this um, uh, battle between uh, Triple H and Mr. Perfect? That should be fun. Um, so, yeah, there's some uh, interesting uh, things coming out of uh, 
buried alive in the, in the run-up to uh, Survivor Series, uh, which, again, uh, we will be hopefully covering uh, for a live watch-along. So uh, definitely go and uh, give uh, Radio Techers a subscribe uh, on, on Twitch or YouTube uh, so you can, uh, you can watch along and uh, get involved with that. But that about wraps up the the show for now. Um, Aura, where can uh, where can people find you and your uh, friend of the show's uh, loving um, um, ass? I suppose. Where can they find you on on the social medias? You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Ori the Draw. Um, and if you have only listened to the audio version of the Kelly. Kevin Kelly interview, then there is video version of that interview over on the Radio Techers channel. Mm-hmm. And the Kelly Kelly interview will be coming out very soon. What? <laughs> to all the Kellys. We're going to get all the Kellys. We're going to get all the Kevins. We're going to line all those up. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Tana, so where can people find you? We, we totally disturbed you then whilst you were, you were in, in thought. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, TexasGentleman underscore, or you can also find me on Twitter at Radio Techers. Uh, so, yeah, just hit up the show there. Um, it it does seem as though uh, you know we might have something big in terms of the wrestling content. Uh, maybe uh, maybe getting a, a, a little bit of uh, extra love, perhaps, over on the Techers side of things, because we do have a lot of... Uh, wrestling content and wrestling content creators uh, making headway uh so yeah fun times you know and uh stay tuned for more mm-hmm. absolutely and uh, as for me you can find me on twitter at Podfather mags uh and uh along with my two uh two cohorts here i'm heavily involved at radio techers and i know full well we've got some very exciting plans uh coming down the pipeline in the in the coming weeks so definitely go on uh give our radio techers a, a follow and a subscribe uh you will not regret it and definitely go and check out the rest of the shows here on uh on the chair shot some uh, amazingly talented creators uh some amazingly talented shows um definitely go and check out the 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 chair shot um pro wrestling tea store where there is a Lots and lots of uh, uh, cool designs. I think Ori has got a, a chair shot 316 shirt. I do. Um, hopefully, uh, Greg, if you are listening, you might want to uh, uh, come up with a changing attitude design for, for this or we can get uh, uh, our name out there on a T-shirt. But yeah, Does Greg one. listen to us? I wonder. Yeah. I, well, we'll yeah, see I mean, if I he, would, if he messages I, or, or you know, hope you know. <laughs> He's got a lot going on though. Uh, yeah. He he covers a lot here over on Cheershot, um, and so the Babyface Heel podcast. Exactly. Greg's got a lot of uh, irons in the fire, as it were. So he absolutely has. Uh, but again, check out some of the great content creators here on on Cheershot, uh, both in audio uh, and written format. Uh, some very very talented people and we're we're honored to be part of that team uh you can also uh follow the show on twitter at acia podcast and uh you can also send us in your thoughts and uh views of the show did you think that uh buried alive was a, a four and a half or did you think it edged more towards a seven let us know uh by email or even email. a 10 or even a one if you thought it was a 10, I think you may need to get a, a CAT scan. Um, 
a change in prescription, perhaps. You you may <laughs> heads up to uh, uh, the Math Attack UK. He can uh, sort you out with a change in prescription. Some, some, some hormones. Yeah. Some hormones, yeah. Um, but you can email us at uh, a change in attitude podcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, we, we love uh, uh, hearing your thoughts and opinions, and uh, we would uh, certainly like to uh, read them out on the show if, uh, if you uh, want to send them in to us. But, yeah, that's pretty much it. It from us, uh, so on behalf of or uh, the interview queen, uh, the draw, uh, and Tanner, not so much the interview king, but certainly uh, an expert on football, the yeah. Texas gentleman. Uh, this is uh, me, Mag, saying you have to always use your head. Tanner, wave and bye bye. 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 Chairshot.com. Always use your head. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.